Thank you for coming on to today's podcast. I'm Fernando. Let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thank you very much for coming in today's podcast, uh, working on our sobriety. What am I doing for my sobriety? I'm listening to a podcast while driving down the road. Our reading for today comes to us from, as Bill sees it, page 44. It's a little heavy, you know, so we can take it one meal piece at a time. Um, It says, our very first problem is to accept our present circumstances as they are. Ourselves as we are and the people about us as they are. This is to adopt a realistic humility without which no genuine advance can even begin. Again and again, we shall need to return to this unflattering point of departure. This is an exercise in acceptance that we can profitably practice every day of our lives. Cool, huh? And then it says, provided we strenuously avoid turning these realistic service of the facts of life into unrealistic alibis for apathy or defeatism. They can be the sure foundation upon which increased emotional health and therefore, spiritual progress can be built. Amazing, amazing, amazing reading. As Bill sees at page 44. When I am having a difficult time accepting people, places, or events, I turn to this passage and it relieves me of many of underlying fear regarding others or situations. Life presents me. The thought allows me to be human and not perfect and to regain my peace of mind. This stuff right here, Fernando Alcoholic, works great when you're working with somebody and you may you may have thought you said the wrong thing or uh, you missed an appointment or something. You can start thanking God for the circumstance just the way they are. And you realize after it's over, it wasn't that big of a deal or there was uh, you done properly. The, the key is, is that if you are... Uh, doing the exercise and anxious about the situation, uh, most likely, it's uh, you. You already qualify. It turns out properly. It's just amazing. As long as we care, and we thank God for a situation, it settles in good, and then we start over again. We get our inspiration. You know, there's another passage that says, "Don't move till you get inspired and enthusiastic again," and uh, it says to do it every day. To so a spiritual progress can be built. Apparently, we need to stop, listen, and pray, and download, and thank God for all the players in our lives, even ourselves. If we're abusing ourselves, abusing others, thank God for the situation just the way it is, okay? Try not to fix anything. And then wait for instruction. It's a beautiful setting. All right, moving right along, we're going to go ahead and read uh Today's 12th, January the 12th, little black book. It says, the longer we're in AA, the more natural this way of life seems. Our old drinking lives were a very unnatural way of living. Our presence over lives are the most natural way we could possibly live. During the early years of our drinking, our lives weren't so different from the lives of a lot of other people. But as we gradually became problem drinkers, our lives became more and more unnatural. 
Do I realize now that the things I did were far from natural? Meditation for the day. I will say thank you to God for everything, even the seeming trials and worries. I will strive to be grateful and humble. My whole attitude towards the higher power will be one of gratitude. I will be glad for the things I have received. I will pass on what God reveals to me. I believe the more truth will flow in as I go along this new way of life. I will say thank you to God for everything, even the seeming trials and worries. Some seemingly good and seemingly bad. I will strive to be grateful and humble. I think thanking God for everything around us automatically puts us in humble state, which the one that the one that allows in new information and new strength to come in, humor and wisdom too. I pray that I may be grateful for the things I have received and do not deserve. I pray that this gratitude will make me truly humble. Amen. Beautiful reading today, huh? Okay, moving right along, I'm going to go ahead and put my uh, grapevine in a story. See if we. I'm ready to start a new grapevine. I'm, um, I think I. I I'll go ahead and read most of the ones in here. Let's see. There's a really long one here. <clears throat> I don't think I have read this one. It's called, It Was Only 20 Months From My First Drink to My Last. <clears throat> the, the article is called, There's More to a AA Than Fellowship. There's more to AA than fellowship. And this is sent to us by Shane L. from Mankato, Minnesota. It's kind of long, so bear with me. It was only 20 months from my first drink. To my last, I started out as a weekend drinker in junior high school. It was fun, and I fit in for the first time in my life. No long after that, my friends got me to try some other drugs. And although I continued to use them from time to time, they didn't seem to interest me in the way alcohol did. From the first time I drank, I was in love with booze, whether it came in a beer can, wine bottle, or hard liquor straight into the gut. My friends and I began to steal to get beer. There was something about it that gave us a thrill. It was taking a risk so that we could take another one ounce. We were nearly caught with some beer that we had just exchanged for stolen bicycles. We were chased to the parking lot and we hid our beer in bushes as we were running. Later, we returned in a desperate search for what we had hidden. My drinking led to problems at home and eventually to running away. I journey a nearly a 2,000-mile journey from Minnesota. I found myself in the state of Texas with a bunch of ex-gang members. Life seemed grand. This was the life. I sold a few drugs and had all the booze I could drink. I began drinking beer as soon as I woke up. I started drinking rum in the afternoon and returned to beer in the evening. This continued for nearly a month. But I soon wore out my welcome. I was only I was fifteen years old, but I managed to move in with a nineteen year old girl. She would buy liquor for me so long as I wouldn't smoke pot. I didn't care too much for smoking pot, so it was not a measurable sacrifice. This arrangement lasted only a couple of weeks. 
Eventually, a charge of truancy sent me back home where I was put into behavior treatment. This treatment lasted three and a half months. My kind doctor told me I was an alcoholic and he couldn't help me. Try AA, he said. Alcohol was my lifeblood. It was part of my character. Other teenagers stood in awe of the amount I was able to consume. It made me what I was. Now the good doctor was telling me I could never drink it again. This couldn't be true. I had been drinking just over a year. I reasoned that an alcoholic couldn't quit drinking, so I set out to prove myself non-alcoholic. By doing exactly that, I didn't drink for five months after leaving the hospital. Then it was my birthday, and after all, I ought to be able to drink like a gentleman after such a long time of sobriety. I was going to drink mixed drinks, something I had never done before. I thought it would prove I was a social drinker. No sooner had I tasted my first mixed drink and put the alcohol in my system than I reasoned that since the mixed drink didn't cover up the taste of alcohol, I might as well drink the liquor straight. I became drunk and ended up getting into trouble with a friend. The next day brought a resolution not to drink again for two months. I would gain control. The time period passed and my friends threw a going away party for me. I vowed to have two beers and that was all. I drank my limit in the car on the way to the party and spent the entire evening in misery while craving another drink. That was September 1985. I had never had to drink again. On coming into the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, I was told about inventories, restitution, and working with others. But I was only 16, and the only others I wanted to work with were those of the opposite sex. I made great many friends in AA, but I found meetings where I could speak about how my day went and where I didn't have to take a good look at myself. The fellowship of AA was great. Dances, campouts, car playing, football in the snow, and board games late at night. We would talk of old times or just gossip about others in the program. There was much talk of girls and how to 13-step them. We didn't call it that at that time. Hugs after the meeting were a must. If the subject of the steps came up, I just mumbled something. I can't possibly imagine what since I knew so little. This went on only so long before life began to get difficult. It didn't begin right away. Fixes seemed to help. A relationship, a new job, then politics became an escape. The day came when in misery I tried to figure out why I should go on living. I didn't know where to go. I began to attend church services again, returning to the church of my childhood. I tried to listen, but became irritable during the sermons. It didn't make much sense to me. On occasion, I would hear something good and take it back to my group and try to impress everyone with my new insightful knowledge. With religion failing me, I thought perhaps self-help books would do it. I read everything I could get my hands on. I began going to Elnon in hope of getting it, whatever it was. My home group elected me GSR. Still misery, self-pity, resentment, and fear. I didn't know what my job was or how to do it. But I was going to become important. (laughs) This was my break. Everyone in the group would see how wonderful I was. I attended my first district meeting. Afterwards, the DCN spoke with me about the big book. He told me it was the operator's manual for recovering drugs. He told me about how he went for 
Four years in sobriety became more miserable than he ever had been drunk. He told me what had worked for him. With this glimmer of hope, I raced to my sponsor to share the good news. My sponsor told me that the DCM was a resentment-filled man and that in addition he only wished for me to go to his group. This information kept me from returning to district meetings for three months. But I did return and then I started to go to the DCM's home group. They studied the big book there. They sponsored out of the big book. Many of them were active in AA service work. They travel out of town to go to other meetings. It was so much different from what I had been in for almost six years. I started working the steps. I was hungry for them. I read my big book and I got a new sponsor who had been the district secretary. We studied the big book together. He went through the steps with me. I listened to speaker tapes and read other AA books. It has been about a year and a half now that I have been studying the big book. Today's church sermons make sense to me. I have a new relationship with God. The fellowship I have found in the big book, district meetings, and area assemblies, workshops, roundups, etc. have saved me, not only from alcohol, but from myself. Amen. Shane L. from Moncado, Minnesota. Thank you. Thank you very much. I got a small letter here from Bill W., 1965 letter. It says, I don't see any particular conflict between ambition and gratitude. I think you should be terribly grateful that you are able to be ambitious. Ambitious, I mean, is the best sense of the word. You wish to get along in the world, and I see that you are taking steps to do so. Just follow the rules of the game as you have learned them in AA. We are expected to be citizens of the world as well as members of AA. Bill W., 1965, from a letter. Thank you very much for listening in today. God bless you. Give them heaven. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer. By the way, that story sounds like mine. At 15, I left. 19, I had a kid. Older lady. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Greetings, family. Let's go ahead and open up this meeting with a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. All right now, looking ahead, our sobriety rocks, our sobriety works, and listening to the paradoxes of the program like God grant me the serenity that's I mean that's a paradox why would anybody grant you something free grant me something free and especially serenity since I've been doing lousing it up so bad why should I have mercy uh, poured on me and grace 
And then I have to accept that mercy and grace. I know I'm bad for the things I've done. I cannot change the, the consequences. I cannot do it on my own. <clears throat> I need courage to change the things I, if I'm able to, to, to this power that wants to help me, that will grant me something. I don't have to pay the grant back. It's not like a loan. It's a gift. Power, power, power to change things I can. And then I ask him wisdom to know the difference. Wisdom. Like, don't buy a car on payments. That's wisdom. I get a little bit of power and then I want more power, so I'll go buy me a car. So I can keep going to the meetings. I'm going to need a car if I need to keep going to the meetings. I don't want no bike. But my heart wants a bike, my legs want a bike, my exercise and my detox wants a bike. All right, <clears throat> amen. Okay, let's move on ahead. Uh, the 100% step, 100%. Only step one where we made the 100% admission, we were powerless over alcohol, can be practiced with absolute perfection. Daily Reflections, 12 and 12, page 68. Only step one, where we made a 100% admission we were powerless over alcohol, can be practiced with absolute perfection. Long before I was able to obtain sobriety in AA, I knew without a doubt that alcohol was killing me. Yet, even with this knowledge, I was unable to stop drinking. So when I faced this step one, I found it easy to admit that I lacked the power to not drink. But was my life unmanageable? No way. Ha. Huh. Five months after coming into AA, I was drinking again and wondering why. Later on, back in AA, once more and smarting from my wounds, I learned that step one is the only step that can be taken 100%. And that the only way to take it 100% is to take it 100% of the step. That was many 24 hours ago, and I haven't had to take step one again. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful wisdom. This has value and weight to it. These messages have balls, if you will, balls to the wall. They're strong. They're for men and women who are tired of living, unmanageable. You know, when I saw the step one and I read it, uh, I said, wow. I go, yep, I agree to that first one. Right away, I said, agree. But, and I also agree there's nothing I can do about it. I had known that my life was unmanageable and my drinking was, was taking the best of me and, and killing me. And I was getting into dang, more dangers and dangerous situations with guns and, and situations and, and, and drugs and alcohol and the people I was hanging around. It was getting darker, folks, darker. Thank God for a, a compassionate municipal court system, an attorney that's got that have balls and a judge that had balls and they both sponsored me and sent me to AA, one of my first sponsors. And uh and an abuse school. And then God, he sentenced me to AA one day at a time. All that was mercy, all that was including in the serenity prayer. God granted me mercy to so I can receive serenity. 
and have a, a breather. I used to call it a breather. I came into a, man, I get a breather from what was killing me out there, drugs and alcohol and thinking. So I was able to look back on my history and my sponsor in Sacramento, who I'm, I love very and respect very much, you, you learn to do that to people and you should. <clears throat> they're valid, they're good, they're calm, they're doing their best they can. Only step one, where we made 100% admission, we were powerless over alcohol. He had me write it down, write it down, folks. Every time in my life that I can remember or coming out of a blackout and what happened, and write it down, and how much it destroyed my 24 hours, how much it destroyed my paycheck, my family, my everything I cared for, alcohol was king. Actually, it was trying to kill me. It had its foot on my neck. All right, moving right along. January the 11th for 24 hours a day. It says, when we were drinking, most of us never thought of helping others. We like to buy drinks for people. Yeah, because that made us feel like big shots. <clears throat> but we only use others for our own pleasure. To really go out and try to help somebody who needs help never occurred to us. To us, helping others looked like a sucker's game. But when we came into AA, we began to try to help others. And we found out that helping others made us happy and also helped us to stay sober. Have I learned that there is happiness in helping others? Yep. Meditation for the day, I will pray only for strength and that God's will be done. I will use God's unlimited store of strength for my needs. I will seek God's will for me. I will strive for consciousness of God's presence. For he is the light of the world. I have overcome a pilgrim who needs only marching orders and strength and guidance for this day. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may seek God's guidance by the day. I pray that I may strive to abide in God's presence. Amen. Thank you. And thank you, God, for giving me granting me power to receive your serenity and to accept your help, first of all. And then I had power to change the things I can. Thank you, guys. Let's go ahead and finish up with the uh, Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working, and it's worth it. Good morning, family. Up and at them. Let's get to it. Fernando, alcoholic. All the way live, 28 years of uh, service work. <laughs> Making coffee, cleaning tables. Uh, being in the program full-time, not part-time. I tried it part-time. The uh, disease just beats the living snot out of me while I'm sitting on the couch with the clicker. I got to have a meeting coming up and being worried about something. 
That's called good stress. I call it good grief. <laughs> good grief. I got myself a commitment. All right, January the 10th. Let's go ahead and read today's uh, DR for Stanford Daily Reflection. Unofficial AA meeting here. Well, this is just, a, we're having a meeting. Okay. Let's pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Today's topic is taken out of Alcoholic Anonymous, page 30, and it states, United we stand. It says, We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people or presently may be has to be smashed. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 30. I came to Alcoholics Anonymous because I was no longer able to control my drinking. It was either my wife's complaining about my drinking or maybe the sheriff forced me to go to AA meetings or perhaps I knew deep down inside that I couldn't drink like others, but I was unwilling to admit it because the alternatives terrified me. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who united against a common fatal disease each of our lives is linked to every other, much like the survivors on a life raft at sea. If we all work together, we can get safely to shore. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. They say when you have a cell, a heart cell that's pumping, and then you put another cell that's pumping in a different uh, rhythm, you put them together, they'll start pumping the same so I guess that many things happen when we come into an AA meeting. I call it the experts to the portal to the power of heaven where you get power to do right. No one ever asked me to do right. So when they said, will you be good, Fernando? Will you be good? Not only here in AA, but out there. I'd like to ask you to be good, Fernando. And I finally said, yes, I will be good. And I would be good at my program. I would be good bringing my books. I would be good at, at, uh, at cleaning the hall. I would be good at participating with money. I would be good at um, working at home with my, uh, not only my job to bring a dollar, but getting proper rest and coming fully clothed and in my right mind to the meeting and be a, a positive participant. You know, sure, I can use my violin and cry about a lot of other things. But what is that going to do? What good is that going to do? It's only going to keep them alive. You want me to hear you? I hear you out, Fernando. Woe is me, Igor. Here comes Igor. All right, now, let us move on ahead. You know, the only way we move forward is with new material that's saying we're accomplishing. I guess that's the way it works. For me, Fernando Alcoholic. Reading January the 10th, 24-hour book, it says, A.A. Thought for the Day. When we were drinking, most of us were full of pride and selfishness. We believed we could handle our own affairs. Even though we were making a mess of our lives, we were very stubborn and didn't like to take advice. We resented being told what to do. To us, humility looked like weakness. But 
When we came into AA, we began to be humble, and we found out that humility gave us the power we needed to overcome drinking. Have I learned that there is power in humility? Meditation for the day. I will come to God in faith, and He will give me a new way of life. This new way of life will alter my whole existence. The words I speak, the influence I have, they will spring from the life within me. I see how important is the work of a person who has this new way of life. The words and the example of such a person can have a wide influence for good in the world. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may learn the principles of the good life. I pray that I may meditate upon them and work at them because they are eternal. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. Amen. I say yes, and I agree. That was me. I could not learn. I was stuck on stupid. When you make a mistake for the seventh time, and you come in between DUIs, society sends you to you, you uh, with hand, hand, handcuffs for your drinking. Uh, you're no. I'm no different than a crazy man, a man that has lost her mind, influenced by the alcohol, and driving. Under the influence, 80 times between catches. 80 times. Folks, that's the national average of universities across the study alcoholism. That a person, <clears throat> by the time they get caught from one DUI, and they get caught two years later, another DUI, they had driven an estimated of 80 times. And that was me, folks. I knew in my heart 80 was a number. No one had to tell me that. There was a... A clock, eternal clock inside of me. And boom. All right. Um, Fragments of History, A.A. Grapevine, October 1993. We're almost done with this article here. This one comes to us from Sean M. from Santa Monica, California. Thank you, Sean. It says, The first AA group in Europe was founded in Dublin, Ireland, in 1946, 11 years after Akron in New York, only four years behind Los Angeles. The group met for one big open meeting on Mondays at which a panel of speakers and a moderator explained what AA was about, what it does and how it does it for the benefit of anyone who cared to come and attend. Anybody in Dublin was welcome and we placed notices in the newspapers for the calendar of events around town. Occasionally, we would also write letters to the editor telling of this open AA meeting to which all were welcome. The meeting explained much to newcomers and their families as well as medical and social workers. We need to know how AA worked. The secretary and treasurer of that meeting were the overall group officer for years. The secretary and treasurer of that meeting were the overall group officers for a year. On the remaining weeknights, the group also held regular close-topic discussion meetings, each of which had its own secretary. Secretary and treasurer were part of a steering committee, which met once a month or as needed. Business matters were for the overall group approval, but most minor decisions were made by the group secretary, who consulted with them if he needed help. Group conscience was rarely invoked, but what it was was, but it was a seldom and slow process following much discussion for weeks maybe. Known as the first Dublin group, 
or the country shop after the restaurant they were where they met. The group was founded by Connor F., then three years sober and on vacation with his wife in 1946. The first man to stand up and introduce himself as an alcoholic in Europe was Richard P. His was also the first European AA recovery. Jimmy R., the group's first secretary, came in the very first introductory meeting night. Getting off to a shaky start, the secretary and a dozen others got drunk in the summer of 1947. Three remaining sober, Richard, Jimmy R., and Sackville, who had joined in April. And they reformed the group in August with Sackville as secretary. After that, they went from strength to strength for a new secretary was a good organizer who had clear and definite ideas of what they should do. They switched the open public information meeting from Friday to Monday as they found that was a better evening to catch newcomers in the first flush of a new week's resolution. In 1950, they were visited by Bill W., who held a press conference in the mansion house, Lord Mayor's house. Many years later, Jimmy, Jimmy R. took pride in showing me the kitchen sink in his basement apartment in which Bill W. had knocked his cigarette ashes as they sat around and talked for hours following the press conference. In 1948, Sackville began a small paper, The Road Back, which did much to give the group a sense of identity. It went all over the world, a bi-monthly group newsletter celebrating birthdays and group news. It also carried recovery sharing in a simple, unpretentious five-page format. Sackville edited it for 28 years and a half years before I took over as the second editor in 1976. The little bit of history gives perhaps some idea of the coherence of my first home group. Sponsorship was never spoken of, but these men did a great deal of tutoring and gave much care and love to us. Although Jimmy R. was 22 years sober when he, I came in, he took care to get to know me and would ask me about if I hadn't been around, seen around. He explained to me that an important reason for having a home group was that I would be missed if I stop coming. Sackville's story is in the big book, A Career Army Officer. He died in 1979. Jimmy died in 1975, and Richard joined them both in heaven around 1981. Sean M. from Santa Monica, California. I'm Fernando Alcoholic, and what a wonderful story. I had a point in here. Um, you know, uh, I was uh, in a meeting, and one guy said he was in Mexico, and he would he was needing a meeting, and he went with his wife, and they uh, they inherited some property over there or something, over there by the uh, pyramids, Oaxaca or something, and uh, he's actually got about thirty five years sobriety. He's uh, he's kind of like a, we have the same sponsor, and he was telling me he was he was going through this plaza. And that's exactly what he saw there. He saw a panel of AA people with uh, talking to open meeting, telling people what AA was about. And uh, just like that, like this one exactly. And boy, that's, uh, that's not promoting. That's making awareness that there is life in this, in, in, uh, in the fellowship. A lot of people are dying because they don't know uh, meetings are available.
You know, the people around us see the difference. They see the miracle. Thank you so much. God bless you. And let's give them heaven. Let's get out there and enjoy this day. Let's pray out. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Greetings, family. We're going to be reading Chicken Soup for the Recovering Soul. Maybe a couple of stories, maybe three. The first story is called The Seat, and it was sent to us by Andrea W. She says, The first time I walked into the rooms over 17 years ago, I saw a group of older people sitting around laughing and drinking coffee. As I shyly looked around the room, I spied the coffee and cookies sitting on the table. A lady with a friendly enough face to walk over over to me and asked me if I would like to have a seat. I told her yes, but I asked her if I could buy a cup of coffee first. She told me that the coffee is always free and that it would always be brewing five days a week, especially holidays, just for me. Five years later, after interrupted attempts at staying clean and sober, despite the fact that I was singing in the choir, working, all those kind of productive members of society type things, I remember that 10 o'clock meeting. When I walked in the room, the same group of people seemed to be sitting in the exact same seats. A friendly woman walked up to me and said, Good seeing you. We missed you. Would you like to have a seat? Just as if she had not noticed the slight weight loss I had undergone, this time I took a seat and then rushed to the coffee pot. A few years later, hey, who's counting, but a little over seven years ago, with sunken cheeks, no teeth, and a few more battle scars, I thought about that little meeting that met every day of the week, especially holidays, and thought I would drop in on them again. The same people were sitting on the same seats. I walked over to the most approachable-looking older gentleman there and said, How can I get a seat here? You have been sitting in that same seat for years. The young lady sitting next to him said to me, Honey, take this seat. It is now yours. I have been sitting in this seat now for almost 10 years between these two gentlemen, and I have not used they tell me that this is a good recovery seat. She then got out of her seat and offered it to me. Mr. Avery, the elderly gentleman, whispered in my ear, Now there's another thing about maintaining your seat. You have to be the first ass in it each day. So for the next two years, every day, Monday through Friday, and especially holidays, I was the first person in my seat. I discovered the joys of the meeting before the meeting and learned the pleasures of the meeting after the meeting. Soon as the responsibilities on my job increased, 
I was not able to make the meeting every day, but would come whenever I had a day off or could take an early lunch and especially holidays. Whenever I came, I knew to come early enough to make sure that my seat was indeed my seat. A few weeks after my seventh year of uninterrupted recovery, a young lady walked into the rooms and came straight to me at the meeting and said, I've been noticing you for a few years sitting in the same seat. How do I get a seat? I looked in her eyes and said to her, My sister, welcome. You can have mine. This is a good recovery seat. The lady who sat in it before me gave it to me, and it's yours now. I smile as I watch Mr. Avery lean over and whisper something in her ear. I knew what he was telling her. The precious gift of recovery that they had given me had blossomed into the realization that wherever I sit within the rooms is a good recovery seat, as long as I bring my ass and put it there. Andrea W. Oh, amen. I remember I was in Las Vegas and I, I looked up this little group far away, hard to find. It had the address of a home and the uh, the meeting was in the alley. And, you know, just the one thing, I've been to meetings in Santa Cruz, just about, I was going to say, all over the place. And when they're the more obscure they are, the more harder to find. And you're just on your wits ends and, you know, the, the address or nobody. And then you find it. It's one of the best meetings ever. It's kind of like you're, you got to be a good journalist, a good detective to snoop and find those meetings. Places. Amen. Okay, our next story is called the 202 Club. The address was 202 20th Avenue South, just off of Elliston Place. I knew the neighborhood. I had partied there for years. The Gold Rush and the Exit Inn. They were the gathering places of the late 70s music scenes in Nashville. That was a lot of miles ago. Now it was June of 1997, and I sat in the parking lot outside the 202 Club. The, the AA house in West Nashville, I hadn't been to a meeting since leaving treatment, and I needed one. The parking lot was almost full. Damn, I thought there are a lot of people in there. So I sat and listened to Steve Earle singing the song he wrote for the late Towns Van Zandt. Towns drank himself to death, living what I should only be imagined. That's the downside of a go-to-hell attitude. If you're not careful, you will. Over the years, I had become well acquainted with my own hell. That's why I was here. I didn't want that anymore, and I didn't have much faith that I could avoid it. I had lived most of my adult life being what I did, from musician to cowboy to commodities trader, whatever it was, I was, and since my time in treatment, I had realized that maybe I wasn't what I did. Maybe I was something else. Whatever that something else was, was going to have to wait a little longer. I needed to get through the door and into the AA meeting inside. I was scared. I was self-conscious. I felt alone. As Earl's Fort Worth Blues ended, I climbed out of my pickup and walked into the back door of the 202 Club. The house was full of people, but contrary to my fear, nobody stopped or even paid any attention to my being there. I immediately felt safe. I wasn't alone anymore. That's what I needed. 
safety, somewhere to go when the noise in my head was out of control, which was most of the time. The alone was terrifying, like sitting on your surfboard a hundred yards offshore and having a ten-foot shark swim by. When it's just you and life and death, you realize real quickly how much fate you don't have. My cravings to get high was that shark, and he had been circling for two days. I couldn't white-knuckle it anymore, so here I was. I had made it to 202. Looking around, I thought the scene resembled a clubhouse, people hanging out, talking, and laughing. The meeting I was looking for was upstairs. Climbing the stairs, I heard someone reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, who was created from the share experiences of Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob. They put those experiences, perception stories on the 12 steps into what I know today as the big book. Turning the corner upstairs, I walked into a room full of all shapes, sizes, and colors of human beings, a tribe of survivors. There was a thick blue cloud of cigarette smoke hanging over the gathering. I sat against the outside wall as the meeting opened. Thank you, God, I could breathe again. I felt like I had just held my breath for the whole hour's drive into Nashville. An hour ago, I could have just as easily gone to see the dope man, or woman, in fact. I was so so sure and afraid that was where I was headed that turning left on 20 it seemed like a miracle. I was only a few blocks away from the cocaine queen of music role, and we had spent much time nights together in the twisted shadows of crack and sex. These memories gave me a sick butterfly in the stomach feeling. This time I had made another choice. Those butterflies were gone, and I was so grateful to be sitting in these rooms full of others who were walking through their own valley of the shadow. We weren't alone. We had each other. Sitting and listening, I flashed back on my time in treatment when my counselor told me that getting high would never really be okay with me again. We had been, he had been right, but his being right hadn't kept me from using again. After the opening readings, the chairperson of the meeting opened the floor for a topic. The guy sitting next to me spoke softly. My name's Lonely, and I am an addict and alcoholic. He started talking about the last few months of his life and how he had gone back to drugging after a couple of years clean. This was his first meeting since he had quit using, and he was tired and scared and fed up with how narrow his choices seemed. I was overwhelmed knowing he was talking to me. Once again, I flashed on memories of treatment and how sweet the bond had been between all of us that shared that space together. This was the same feeling revisited alive and well right here at 202. As I looked around the room, I could see the compassion and understanding in the eyes of those who shared this space. Thank you, Father. I am so grateful. I don't want to be alone anymore. I wasn't. I never spoke at the meeting. As the conversation moved around the rooms, the stories were told of the same experiences shared by people who had never officially met, but had all lived the truth of taking refuge in a hell that seemed like the only way out. I thought to myself, thank you, buddy. Thank you for making it here. I didn't need to know anything to feel gratitude for the safety of sitting in that meeting at 202. 
The experience was the truth. That's all I needed to know. After the meeting, I hung out and talked to a couple of guys about the struggles of changing years of addiction. Keep coming back. That's the glitch. And the truth, they kept keep coming back. Walking outside, I was hit by the heavy, humid heat of June night in Nashville. 90 degrees and 90% humidity. Humidity. I realized I wasn't even conscious of the heat when I walked from my truck to the back door of 202 Club. That's the power of obsession. And I had been overwhelmed with it when I, I got there an hour ago. It's amazing we ever get so lost and even more amazing we come back from the realms of addiction. But we do because that's the world we are born into. And we do because we are not of this world. We are that spirit that won't be trapped by definition. The light that acts for us when the shadows would have us believe only lies. It is no wonder that with the insanity of this world, we trust so little and fear so much. That's who I was, one who really trusted every little and feared most of all. From that point of view, all the obsession and addictions, the guilt, shame, and fear they all made sense. I was the product of a world and a culture that had chosen knowledge over life and opinions over truth. That is who I had been, and I was realizing that was not who I had to be. I could choose again. Making the first meeting at 202 was the second phase of, of a path of this experience. The, face, face, the first phase had been checking myself into a treatment center. Those 30 days in treatment had broken the ice on a sea of fears, fears, sea of frozen fears. The most important lesson I learned there was that I could be honest and I could change my life. And yes, I did come down to me. It did come down to me. Leaving that meeting at 202 has shown me that the knowledge, knowing what I was doing was nowhere near as important as just showing up and letting life show me. I have lived an amazing path since that June of 1997, and I look forward to living whatever comes next, happy, joyous, and free. From Lee M. Thank you, Lee M. From Chicken Soup of the Recovering Soul. I bid you good night, family. Greetings, family. We have for us today a story from Chicken Soup for the Unsinkable Soul by Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Handsome. I met these two guys in a small seminar when they were small people or small publishers in the late 80s, and they had big dreams, dreams of getting a national bestseller, a New York bestseller, and they did, many of them. Amen. This story is called At Wit's End. At Wit's End. Every once in a while, something happens in our lives to cause us to reshuffle our priorities. Sometimes it's a traumatic birthday or a friend facing a crisis. To me, it was the funeral of a good friend that left me vulnerable, confused, and doubtful as to what am I, I am all about. <laughs> I wanted to draw out all our savings out of the bank and go to Tahiti. 
I wanted to put the plastic dishes in the driveway and back over them with the car. I wanted to take ballot lessons, throw away all the imitation flowers and replace them with a jungle of vines and greenery. I wanted to take up all the carpet and let the dust fall where it wanted to. And that very night, I took a look at my life, rearranged my cards into a whole new hand and made a vow. I am not going to be like the woman on the Titanic who, as she climbed into the lifeboat facing an uncertain future, sobbed in anguish. If I had known this was going to happen, I had had the chocolate mousse for dessert. So get ready, world. Miss Practical is going to start living each day like it's her last. Remember that big candle in the sitting room that's shaped like a rose that gathers dust and gets soft in the summer? I lit it yesterday. (laughs) And the car window, the one on my side that has a thin crack on it, that we said we'll have replaced it when we saw the car? Well, it's been replaced. Guess who's coming to dinner on Sunday? Eve. Evie and Jack, whom we have seen at 16 weddings and say the same thing every time we got to get together. And that big bin of fish I didn't want to open because I'm the only one who eats fish and I couldn't bear to waste the rest of it. Well, so what? As I washed my hands with a piece of pink soap shaped like a seashell, my husband said, I thought you were saving those. You got them wet and they don't look like a shell anymore. I looked down at the handful of suds. A shell only holds life. I had just given it a chance to do something more. By Emma Bombeck. Pretty good startling effects. The Bible says that... uh, that in a funeral, our hearts are cleansed into a reality, something in that nature. Our next story is called Two Brothers, and this one was sent in by William Ackerman. No, excuse me, Will Ann Ackerman. Once upon a time in a far, far land lived two young men, much like many young men who may know today, you may know, the two brothers were likable but undisciplined. With a wild streak in them, their mischievous behavior turned serious when they began stealing sheep from the local farmers. A serious crime in the pastoral place. So long ago and far away, in time that these were caught, the local farmers decided their fate. The two brothers would be branded on the forehead with the letters ST for a sheep thief. And this sign they would carry with them forevermore. One brother was so embarrassed by this branding that he ran away, he was never heard from again. The other brother, filled with remorse and reconciled to his fate, chose to stay and try to make amends to the villagers he had wronged. At first, the villagers were skeptical and would have nothing to do with him, but this brother was determined to make reparation for his offenses. Whenever there was a sickness, the sheep thief came to care for the ill with soup and a soft touch. Whenever there was work needing to be done, the sheep thief came to help with a lending hand. It made no difference if the person were rich or poor. The sheep thief was there to help, never accepting pay for his good deeds. He lived his life for others. Many years later, a traveler came through the village 
Sitting at a sidewalk cafe eating lunch, the traveler saw an old man with a strange brand on his forehead seated nearby. The stranger noticed that all the villagers who passed the old man stopped to share a kind word, to pay their respects. Children stopped their play to give and receive a warm hug. Curious, the stranger asked the cafe owner, What does the stranger brand on the old man's forehead stand for? I don't know. It happened so long ago, the cafe owner replied. Then pausing briefly for a moment of reflection, he continued, but I, but I think it stands for saint. The Lord has become my strength and my salvation. Who is Jehovah Rapha? Who is Jehovah Rapha? Jehovah, my healer. <clears throat> he is the Lord that heals you. Okay, Lord, heal me and I shall be healed. Do your word, Lord God. I lift your word up to you, Father. <clears throat> what is Jehovah Rapha's goal? What is Jehovah's goal? To eliminate sickness and disease? To eliminate hatred and envy, jealousy, selfishness? Who is Jehovah Rohi? Who is Jehovah Rapha? Is, can Jehovah Rapha heal today? Can Jehovah Rapha heal today? Who is Jehovah Rapha? Can Jehovah Rapha heal? Says by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are healed. By the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Who is Jehovah Rapha? Who is Jehovah Rapha? Lord, do your, do your work. Do your job, Lord. Who is Jehovah Rapha? Lord, do your job. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My Father's God's my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Exodus 15.2 Exodus 15.13 Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. Exodus 15.13 Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land, whether you go to possess it. Deuteronomy 11.18 Joshua 1 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all that of the law which Moses thy servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper with it thou goest. Again, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. Jehovah Rapha, who is the Lord, Jehovah Rapha? What is his role? Why is his title Jehovah Rapha? Why is it the Lord that hides? Thy word says that you are Jehovah Rapha. Your word says, Lord, that you, that by your stripes we are healed, Lord. Lord, by your stripes we are healed. The word says that by your stripes, the stripes of Jesus Christ on the back, the lacerations, we are healed, Lord. 
It says here that the Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Thou in thy mercy has led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you be strong and go in and possess the land, whether you go to possess it. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the which the law which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper where thou, thou goest. Second Samuel twenty two thirty three. God is my strength and power, and he make my way perfect. First Chronicles sixteen eleven. Seek the Lord. And his strength, seek his face continually. Nehemiah 8.10 Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord. Neither be you sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Job 12.13 with him is wisdom and strength. He has counsel and understanding. Psalms 18.2 The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. The, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. With him is wisdom and strength. He has counsel and understanding. Job twelve thirteen. Psalms eighteen two. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, my high tower. Psalms eighteen thirty nine. For thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Psalms 19.14 Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Psalms 24.8 Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalms 28, 7 and 8. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Psalms 29.11 The Lord will give his strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. 
Pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me, for thou art my strength. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you that hope in the Lord. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in times of trouble. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou will make all his bed in his sickness. God is our refuge and strength, every present help in trouble. O God, thou art terrible out of thy holy place. The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. Psalm 68:35. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Sing out loud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are always of them. Psalm 84, 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Yay. <clears throat> bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless his holy name. And don't forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Yay! Thank you, Lord. Psalm 105.24, And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. Hallelujah. Psalm 118.14, The Lord is my strength and song. He is become my salvation. My soul melted for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. In the day when I cried, thou hast answered me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. Proverbs 8.14 Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. 
Proverbs 11.6 A gracious woman retain an honor and strong men retain riches. Proverbs 18.10 The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. A wise man is strong. Yeah, a man of knowledge increases strength. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Proverbs 24.10 Wisdom strengthens the wise more than ten mighty men which are in the city. Ecclesiastes 7.9 Isaiah 30.15 In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Wisdom strengthen the wise more than ten mighty men which are in the city. Strengthen you the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come to and save you. Isaiah forty twenty nine thirty one. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 41.10 Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yes, I will help thee, yes. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Ezekiel thirty-four fifteen to 16 I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will build up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. Daniel 11.32 And as such as so wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupted by flatteries, but the people who who do know their God shall be do, be strong and do exploits. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great, for he is strong and that execute his word. For the day of the Lord is great and terrible, and who can abide it? Joel 2.11 Joel 3.10 Beat your plowshares into swords and your pluming hooks into piers. But let the weak say, I am strong. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Amen. And with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Acts 3.16, and his name through faith in his name has made him strong. When you see and know, yeah, the, the, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all.
Romans 4, 20 to 21, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Romans 18, 15, 18. Romans 15, 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. 1 Corinthians 16, 3. Watch you stand fast in the faith. Quit, quit you like men. Be strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I will take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress. For I am strong. Therefore I take pleasures and infirmities, reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Ephesians 3.16 That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Philippians. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Colossians 1.11. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Unto all patience and long sufferings and with joyfulness. 2 Timothy 2.1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 33-34, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, brought righteousness, ordained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the world. Out of weaknesses were made strong, waxed violent in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Amen. One man. First Peter 5.10, But the God of our grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a little, make you perfect, establishing, strengthening, settling you. First John 2.14, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I had written unto you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Revelation 5.12, saying with a loud voice, Worthy, oh, worthy are you, Lord, worthy to be thanked and praised and worship and adore. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb. Revelation 3.12, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not yet found perf works perfect before God. 
Genesis 24:40, and he said unto them, unto me, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee, and prepare the way, and thou shalt take a wife for my sons of my kindred and my father's house. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in the land. Genesis thirty nine three. Amen. Deuteronomy 29.9 Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for coming in today's podcast. We're going to be reading a portion of chapter or verse of 86, page 86, 87 and 88 of the big book and and get our uh, motor started for our recovery for today. Let's go ahead and say the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Page 86 of the big book says, On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is clear of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We might not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to religious denomination, which requires a definite morning devotion, We attend to that also. If not members of religious body, we sometimes select and memorize a few set prayers, which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or actions. We constantly remind ourselves, we are no longer running the show. 
humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are then much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decision. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange our lives to suit ourselves. It works and really does. Amen. Thank you so much for coming in to today's podcast. It's a short one, but it's a reminder that we... we uh, we live in a higher plane. Let's go ahead and close our meeting today with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working, family. (laughs) Thank you so much, Anthony. Faithful. I'll see you. Have a great week and have a great day. All right. Adios.